This week, I am delving into the Empowerment Zone archives. I am delighted to feature Dr. Mara Perez, founder of Latino Futures. She was one of my first guests on the Empowerment Zone, and her topic is so timely. The importance of Latinos and African-Americans being involved in the philanthropic sector. I know as a social impact strategist, it has become evident to me that we need people in all parts of philanthropy. We need people in communities, in giving circles to be able to give to organizations and institutions we believe in. And we also need uh, professionals actually working in the philanthropic sector to make sure that these large foundations give more to Latino and African-American-led nonprofits. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on Black and Brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. I'm sure you're going to enjoy our conversation. Dr. Perez has some great advice on how you can build and create giving circles in your communities. And you can make sure that you can give no matter how much you, money you make in order to make an impact in your local community. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to my podcast. It's June 17, 2020. And today I have Dr. Mara Perez. And I'm so excited to have her. Uh, she's an expert in uh, philanthropy and she's the founder and um, principal of Latino Futures, which is a consulting and think tank project where she works with nonprofit and business leaders to form collaborations and solve many of the challenges that we have in our society. Uh, she writes research and uh, position papers, issue briefs, and strategic plans. Uh, her focus is on education, equity, and economic vitality, uh, leadership, and philanthropy. And she specifically works with organizations who are focused on serving uh, Latino communities. So I'm so excited to have Dr. Perez here. I actually saw her present at the Haku Conference, Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities, where she shared uh, the four pillars of Latino prosperity, which I really enjoyed hearing her conversation and her perspective on uh, the importance of the empowerment of the Latino community in various facets, uh, various areas. And as you know, uh, that is the purpose of, of this um, podcast, is looking at how do we empower the African-American and Latino communities from various uh, various directions and pers uh, and also looking at us as center of the conversation and seeing us as center of the conversation. And philanthropy is one of those areas that uh, I cover. And so uh, Dr. Perez lives in Northern California and we're on two, di two different time zones. Uh, and it's so nice that you got up so early to be a part of this uh, <laughs> podcast. And thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Perez. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And 
what a joy to have met you in Chicago last year during the Haku conference and maintain this very fruitful professional relationship. It's a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us about uh, your work and your evolution into philanthropy and tell us a little bit about Latino futures and uh, just about you and your work. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Again, I'm delighted to be here. And my work centers on building prosperity for the Latino community. And I do so through my practice, which is called Latino Futures. It's, as you said, a consulting practice that I also, where I also do a think tank of work, meaning a lot of research, a lot of presentations, presentations and talks, lectures, classes, etc with the intention of uh, bringing awareness and information as to how we can continue to build Latino prosperity in the United States in order to build further prosperity for the nation as a whole. And I say that because the Latino community will soon represent 30% of the entire population in the country. Uh, the Latino community overall continues to be low income and undersourced. And that's a major national uh, problem, and it should be a strategic priority for the country. Building Latino prosperity in the United States and jumping into it right now is a strategic priority for the nation. And uh, there are many opportunities to move this message forward in places where that awareness already exists and continue to build it, and in particular, in many of the places where that awareness is not yet fully developed. And that includes American institutional philanthropy. Yes, so tell us about, uh, you talk about building the prosperity of, of Latino communities. Can you uh, talk about the four pillars of prosperity, of Latino pr prosperity, and expand on each of those uh, pillars and how they contribute to the prosperity of the Latino community as well as the prosperity of the United States? Sure. After about 20 years of working as a consultant, uh, on the other side, on the side of fund development, focusing mostly on uh, writing grants, uh, developing programs, and developing and, and proceeding with the, with the process, uh, evaluating programs and, and grants for grantees, I switched to the other side, like I said, which is the side of philanthropy and the side of prosperity building through Latino Futures. I made that change about six years ago and created Latino Futures. And so in thinking about these, researching these issues and structuring the framework for Latino Futures and Latino Prosperity, I understood to have four main pillars is critical. It doesn't mean they're the only pillars that will be Latino Prosperity, but I understood it to be fundamental, that's why I call them pillars. Um, Latino education, of course. It's not just Latino education, it's education period for any group, right? But in this case, Latino education. Latino entrepreneurship, because before COVID, and I'm sure after COVID, the Latino community in the United States was leading the way in terms of numbers of businesses opened in the country on a yearly basis. The Latino community was opening businesses three times faster than any other racial and ethnic group in the United States, including whites. 
blacks and any other minorities. Therefore, creating programs that help remove any and all barriers that impede Latinos from building their businesses to the highest potential is essential because that's prosperity building. Another important pillar is workforce development. There are many studies that show that workforce development programs for the vast majority of them to date are really functioning with our 20th century models which really do not fit the economies of the 21st century which include high levels of economies and businesses focusing on tech, the gig economy, etc. And also they, these institutions, including uh, Pew Research and many others, the Aspen Institute, uh, argue that today the majority of workforce development programs are here and education is here. It's two separate things. And we really need to think about one whole thread, a continuum, so that when you have students, they are also participating in internships. The companies that bring them on for internships need to see them as their potential employees, which isn't necessarily the case. Need to cultivate their talent, need to provide them with sponsors right there and then during the period of internship, and then hire them. That's a continuum. Mm -hmm. And they have to also, these companies, have a clear understanding of their own biases, whether there is any kind of institutionalized racism, and get rid of it. Because the fuel of this economy is in the Latino community, in part because the largest percentages of youth are already Latino. And over time, as the white population continues to age, get off the workforce, the work of the workforce, and not replace themselves through births, the fountain of use in great part in this nation is going to be coming from the Latino community. If we don't act now, we are really as a nation failing, failing big time. So those are the reasons why this is so important. And Latino philanthropy. If we're working on building uh, accomplishment pathways for Latinos through education, if we're working to build um, Latino entrepreneurs, their businesses, and remove barriers, and make sure that their businesses reach their maximum potential of revenue and success, and if we are creating <laughs> workforce development programs for the 21st century that understand that cultivating the Latino workforce is strategically sound and further vital for the American economy, then right there we would have an enormous potential of philanthropists. When these Latinos in their different spheres have reached that level of uh, wealth building, uh, uh, financial capacity, they can also be donors and philanthropists. But we don't need to wait. Because already now, at least in California, spearheaded by the Latino Community Foundation, there is a growing web of Latino giving circles, I'm part of one. <clears throat> and not only are we donors, because we've been donors for a long time, 70s, 
the Latino community is very generous. And the Latino community, the Mexican community has really kind of kept Mexico going, functioning mm -hmm. through remittances. Latino immigrants give everywhere, to the family, to the church, back to their countries. Latinos are generous. One important thing that the Latino Community Foundation is doing now and has, doing, has been doing for several years is to channel that enormous potential and capacity of giving through more formal vehicles like the giving circles. And we don't function just as donors. One thing that the Latino Community Foundation has done that is so important is remove the veil from the world of philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And it's done so by working with each giving circle in a way that each giving circle functions as a mini foundation. So we ourselves create the giving guidelines, the giving priorities. We put out the calls for proposals by invitation. We vet the submissions. And then we meet with the possible grantees. And then we decide on the grants. We give the grants and we do evaluations of the grants. Those are the functions of a foundation. Latinos participating in this growing web of giving circles are therefore, are therefore gaining capacity, knowledge, awareness, and expertise in the field of philanthropy. And that's very important. And I do want to say that I haven't done all this work alone. On the contrary, I started by forging a very valuable and ongoing partnership with Dominican University of California, specifically with Dr. Denise Lucy, a great friend and colleague of mine back in 20. 16 and 2017, when I held the first Latino Futures Forum on the future of Latino philanthropy, sponsored by and in partnership with Dominican University and the Institute for Leadership Studies. Subsequently, I established other partnerships with great colleagues, uh, including uh, Dr. Judy Castro, Marcy Bassampour, and Mr. Solomon Delete from John F. Kennedy University. Um, Judy Castro, Dr. Judy Castro, was in charge of enabling the university to receive Hispanic-serving institution denomination through a major grant. Uh, Mr. Solomon Delete is the director of the Sanford Institute of Philanthropy. And with him now, uh, we are working on developing a call to philanthropic action to increase the levels of Latino education and Latino graduation from college to reach the levels of white graduation rates and Asian graduation rates in the country because they're the highest, and to achieve that in a sequence mm -hmm. so that when the Latino population represents 30% of the U.S. population, approximately in 2050, we will have achieved the same level of graduation rates to those of the majority, although whites are not going to be the majority at that point. The country is getting very close to being a majority-minority nation. At any rate, so the work of the roadmap continues. I'm also doing a major project with uh, Mr. Omar Carrera at Canal Alliance in San Rafael, California, on uh, developing new ideas for how to foster, enhance, and expand the growth of the Latino community within, within the the work sphere by building newly developed uh, 21st century workforce development programs. And I continue my work with Dr. Denise Lucy at Dominican University, specifically now focusing on um, developing a research project and followed by program design and delivery 
for building and expanding opportunities for growth for Latino entrepreneurs in the Bay Area, specifically Northern California, our own county, Marin, Sonoma, and Napa. And now we're in the stages of developing, we developed the program and the research agenda. And Dr. Denise Lucy, with other colleagues from Dominican University, and I are now in the process of uh, pursuing funding for this project. So, and I continue to do work in the sphere of Latino uh, philanthropy. Most recently, I did research on giving circles for with the Latino Community Foundation, and we created a tool and uh, an issue brief on this subject in order in order to continue to advance knowledge and create opportunities for other Latinos to join more giving circles and build their expertise then as philanthropists. Those are the four pillars. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that you expanded on the four pillars, uh, which to repeat are education, entrepreneurship, workforce development, and philanthropy, but also um, talking about the partner partnerships that you have, because it has to be a collaboration uh, in all of these sectors in order to really uh, make sure we're successful in our efforts. I want to focus in on um, philanthropy. I was reading recently uh, in one of your publications uh, that I uh, believe it was 2016 when you did this particular study that only 1.1% of the giving of all of the foundations, 1.1% went to Latino-run organizations or Latino organizations focused on the Latino community mm -hmm. and it wasn't much better uh, for other communities of color uh, in terms of being recipients of philanthropic giving at these foundations and so that's why it's so important that we build a philanthropic uh, base and be more strategic about our giving in the black and brown communities as as you stated before uh, we do give. We give to our families, right? We're, we're the ones paying for the quinceañeras, right? The bodas, you know, giving back uh, to giving to our churches, uh, sending back to our uh, home countries that we are givers uh, in the Latino community and in the black community. We, we give to the church, you know, we fund the dance lessons of our nieces mm -hmm. and we, we fund, um, education uh, education for uh, family members, but we have to be more concerned now with strategic philanthropy uh, in our communities, in, in empowering our communities. Can you talk more about some recommendations you would have uh, for uh, uh, Latino and African-American communities from an individual and collective perspective on some ideas you have for us to get involved in uh, philanthropy and uh, talk about what a giving circle is, you know, and how to form a giving circle and mm -hmm. just, just talk about and you beyond just giving circles. What do we need to do to become more involved in philanthropy uh, individually and collectively? Thank you so much. I'll start briefly with that percentage you offered. That was a number that the 1.1% of institutional philanthropy to Latino serving Latino led known, uh, a number that was derived through research by a project called D5, Diversity 5, which was five years of research on diversity to see what the results were in terms of institutional philanthropy supporting nonprofits. 
they came up with that number, 1.1 to 1.3%, understanding that they only had a certain body of research to work with, which were the foundations that report that level of mm -hmm. data, which is you know, pretty granular. Uh, we might say that if there are others that give that we don't know about because that level of data is not always um, provided, 3%, 4%, still. It, I would say it doesn't reach, or it may at most reach $500 million a year to all Latino, Latino serving organizations throughout the nation, which amounts to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's in part why so many Latino nonprofits struggle to deliver services or struggle to deliver services to larger groups of people because they don't have funding. And there is a lot of research that shows that the burden put on nonprofits led by Latinos and Blacks in the United States by institutional philanthropy is much heavier and harder than the burden put on organizations not led by Blacks or not led by Latinos or serving those communities, typically whites, right? I'm sorry to say it, but that's the nature of the institutional philanthropic establishment. That's how they function. Um, it, the institutions try to change or at least talk about it, but if you measure year by year, you really have to sit down and say, so what has changed? You've been working at it for years. Nothing has changed. Look at the data. Nothing much has changed. So my recommendations to others like us would include find out if there are giving circles in your area and learn what they fund, determine whether that suits your philanthropic interests, and join them. If there aren't, create one. There are many publications out there showing what uh, giving circles are like, how they function. They can function in many different ways. They can be tied to an institution like the Latino Giving Circle Network group of the Latino Community Foundation, but they don't have to. The black community, the Jewish community, the Asian community have created very, very successful uh, giving circle networks, very successful. So if you Google how they've done it, you can find out. The Latino Community Foundation has a lot of information on its website about the giving circles. You can look at my article on my website, latinofutures.com. There is a section there with publications, and there you will see the article I, I wrote about the Latino Giving Circle Network of the Latino Community Foundation, and there is a history, the evolution of it. Mainly, I would say, find people that share your interests. Is it education of children, education of adults? Is it lifelong learning? Is it social justice, the environment, whatever it is, figure out what your core interests are that you want to support financially and see if there are any given circles around you. And if there aren't, talk with your peers, people that you know share your interests, do a little research, figure out how to create a given circle and do it. Mainly, those people will pull their own money into the circle and then identify organizations they want to support. Some go through a very formal process of soliciting proposals, reviewing proposals, with very specific guidelines, 
evaluation program design requests within the guidelines, etc., are others are a little more informal. So figure out also how formal you want to be or whether you want to be working with a group of people, pull money together and make a donation, maybe instead of a formal grant to a specific organization. It's really not that hard and it can be tailored to your specific desires and abilities. Maybe you put $10, maybe you put a thousand, maybe you put 200,000, maybe you put a million. It depends on who you are and your capacity and interests. The Giving Circle of the Latino Community Foundation that I refer to a lot because I have so much respect for the effort and because I'm a part of the circle. I'm not a part of the foundation. I'm not on staff. Uh, the minimum requirement is $1,000 per person. So we know that we have to put $1,000 at least or more, and many of us put more depending on our own ability, depending on how you did financially on a given year, et cetera. And, um, and so then we, we think very carefully. We've got our own specific guidelines, our own specific area of concentration in terms of the, car, the kinds of organizations we support. And then we put out requests for proposals through invitations. We, it's not an open process in our case. And the whole process takes several months, but it's formal and it's um, highly effective. So I would say start small. If you don't want to go the formal route, at a minimum, talk with your friends and set up a circle. I know other people that have done that. I know people in Berkeley. I knew someone in Berkeley who has since passed, but she was the one who started a giving circle, not a Latina, not a black person, a white person with great interests in the environment. Um, back then, it was, and it still is, more so now, very important, uh, climate change. She started this in, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago with friends. And it was a great cause. And besides, it's a magnificent way to socialize. You are talking with people with whom you have affinity, talking about interest, issues that are of interest to you, and you feel productive. You have a nice glass of wine, try to solve the problems on planet Earth, and actually do something good. So there are many good things about it. I highly recommend giving circles. Yes, thank you so much for that recommendation uh, and explaining what giving circles are all about. You know, all we need to do is just get some friends who believe in the same things and want to be problem solvers instead of just discussing it, put our money together and yeah. give to a cause uh, or an organization that is doing the work that we think is valuable. And we That's can do that anywhere, anywhere. So uh, as Dr. Uh, uh, Perez said, just please just look, look up Giving Circle in your community and you uh, can find some way to start, get some advice and just get your friends together and start uh, participating in strategic philanthropy. That's what we're talking about is strategic philanthropy and making a big impact. Well, and uh, if they don't do that, they can also just find out what organizations they value in the immediate community, in another state, wherever. And send the check as a donation. They can also do that as individuals. As individuals, we have many ways to contribute through giving circles. As individual donors, we can support the foundation that does work that we believe in. 
we can volunteer. If we don't have the money or if we feel like doing something other than just giving money, you can also volunteer and that's extremely important and extremely needed, particularly in, in times like the ones we're living in, that where there are so many social issues that are and have become extraordinarily clear. If anybody had blinders on before, they cannot have that excuse now. There is no okay. way. Right? I mean, it's like these are the main issues of the nation. These are the main issues, I believe, of the century. And we better fix them now because we haven't for a couple hundred years. And that is on us as a society. So there are many ways to, um, to support an organization or a cause, donate or volunteer or advocate, write to your congressman and keep pushing the envelope. Keep saying, no, this isn't right. Or do not buy products from companies that you believe are doing the wrong thing. For example, companies that you know um, are not necessarily hiring in the ways in which they should. Look at the Silicon Valley. Google is wonderful, Facebook, Facebook is great, but if you look at the diversity issues they have, uh, maybe, I don't know, don't have a Facebook account, or I don't know, there are always ways to make a point and to make a contribution, whether by funding something or by not supporting something. Those are your own choices, you've got choices. <laughs> Thank you for telling us about those choices, and thank you so much for joining joining us today. Uh, I have so much more I'd uh, love to discuss with you, so I hope you will come back and join us again, and uh, thank you for sharing your expertise. Now, if anybody wants to contact you or find more about your, uh, read some of your publications, uh, we, uh, can you share the name of your website again? as well as uh, any social media uh, platforms that you are on where uh, our audience can follow you. Sure, they can look me up, Mara Perez, PhD Latino Futures, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and they also, or Twitter, and they can also find me at www.latinofutures.com. Again, www.latinofutures.com. That's my website where they can find most of my publications. They can watch videos from presentations I've given or forums I have facilitated. And they can also take a look at the Roadmap to Latino Prosperity, which is an, a document that is valuable in many ways. You can take it, you can customize it. If you're thinking about building prosperity for your community, you can use it as it is by following the model and the pillars and the prosperity uh, recommendations or take it, adjust it to the lens that would support further your community and still use the framework that we provide in this prosperity building document. So you're welcome to look at it, but you're also welcome to download it, use it, adapt it, it's yours. And that's why I created it so that it can be a tool that anyone can put to use uh, to build prosperity in their immediate and not so immediate communities. Let's all build prosperity. And when I say prosperity, I don't only mean financial prosperity. I mean, and I always write in my publications, socioeconomic prosperity, because being healthy is as important as being wealthy. So we, and we need that. One thing reinforces 
the other. A prosperous community means a community that has fair and equitable housing, where students are treated equally in the schools, where workforce development programs do not discriminate on the basis of race and ethnicity, and where philanthropy supports organizations equitably. So social economic prosperity is what I always refer to. Thank you so much. Thank you so much you. for expanding on uh, uh, what prosperity means. It's not just about money. It's a holistic uh, perspective in terms of, of prosperity. Thank you, Dr. Mara Perez, for joining us today. We look forward to having you again in the near future. Thank morning. you. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest, 